Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, welcome to Sandals Church. I'm so glad you guys are joining us, man. God has been doing such amazing things week after week after week. And God is so good. Usually when we're in a series this long, I'm like, oh dear God, help me uh, to come up with something new. And here's the thing is each and every week, I feel like I wake up on Mondays. Uh, normally I'm a little sad, a little depressed, a little frightened um, because you're only as good as your last at bat, amen? It's just like, well, he's had a good run, but I think he's done now. Um, but each week I just feel so refreshed and I feel like God gave me this word this week specifically because a conversation I had with a young man at our Hunter Park campus when I was in the lobby after preaching. And he said, I don't believe in God. And I said, why? And he said, because if there was a God, there wouldn't be so much suffering on earth. And I appreciate his honesty. I appreciate his openness and I pray that he comes back. But so many of us, even as Christians, God, if you're so good, why do I hurt so bad? This was a Christian marriage. I married a Christian man. He still left me. He still hurt me. I still went through this. God, why is our child sick? We love you. We serve you. God, why did I go through bankruptcy? We're tithers. So most of you are like, what's that? Pray about it, right? <laughs> um, but I, I, I've counseled people that have served God so deeply, but they're hurting so badly. So I want you to put on your thinking cap today and I want you to think about why would a good God allow me to suffer? Why would he allow suffering? And that's where we are, that's where we are today in John chapter nine, verse one. It says, and he, Jesus, he's walking through, he's seeing the world just like you and I see the world. And I'm always moved. I've always been moved by hurting people. If I see somebody that's struggling walking, if I see somebody that's in a wheelchair, if I see somebody that's sick, that's always bothered me even as a young child. I noticed these things. So Jesus is walking by and he saw a man blind from birth. Man, is there anything that bothers you more than seeing a baby suffer? I can tell you, um, I pray over you as adults, but I don't hurt over you like I hurt over children. I can't tell you how many times I've been called uh, to come and pray for a family member, uh, sometimes right after the baby is born. I, I've prayed with mothers that, you know, th they gave birth to a child that, that barely makes it a day, a week, a month. And there's just no hurting like the loss of a child. Isn't it interesting that that's what God went through to reach you? There's no pain like the loss of a child. And that's what God did for us to show us his love for us. But I want you to see here, Jesus saw this. God loved you and I so much. He didn't just watch us from heaven. He came and he walked the streets to see us and to see our pain. Your God in heaven, his name is Jesus. He has a unique perspective of your suffering. Whatever you're going through, even if Jesus didn't experience it exactly, he has a pretty good idea of what it's like. He knows what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to feel pain. He knows what it's like to, to be alone, to be betrayed and to suffer. So why on earth would a good, great, loving God, if he's real, why would he allow you to experience real pain? Here's the answer. Parents, listen to me. I love you. 
If you protect your children from all suffering, you are not doing them a favor. You are doing them great harm. And one of the reasons so many of our young people are struggling today is because as parents, we didn't teach them how to suffer. We protected and blocked every kind of suffering and the world is full of it and Jesus promised it. So why? Here's the answer. Suffering makes us all better. Every single one of us is better because of our suffering. I've heard someone say, say this, and I don't, I, I don't know who said it, so you can just tell people I said it, amen? <laughs> Good times create weak people. Weak people create tough times. Tough times create strong people, and strong people create good times. Look, America's got a lot of problems, but the people that came before us created a better world for us, and they suffered greatly and deeply so that we could complain about our Starbucks, right, and the cost of gas. Do you know what the problem was 100 years ago in New York City? Horse poop. There were 100,000 horses in New York City. Piles and piles of crap everywhere. They had no idea what to do with it. Matter of fact, they thought New York City was gonna close down because of the stench and pollution of horses. What saved that? The automobile, go figure, right? All the environmentalists are like, I'm going to another church. We're blessed to have our cars. We're blessed. Look, Hebrews 2.10 says this, for it was fitting. Think about that. It was fitting. Man, why am I going through what you're going, I'm going through? Why are you going through what you're going through? It's, it, it's fitting for you. For it was fitting that he, who, not you, not me, who are we talking about? For whom and by all things exist. In bringing many sons to glory, that he should make the founder of their salvation perfect. How? Through suffering. God is talking about his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? He who was perfect, he who was sinless became even better. How? Through suffering. Through suffering. It's why the apostle Paul tells young Timothy, and if you're a young person, man, I, I'm so sorry for the way that us old people have led you through this pandemic. I, I'm sorry. We've been led by fear and that's because we're weak. And we're weak because we've been blessed. And here's the thing, young people, I'm hoping that these hardships make you stronger. And I hope you're better than us when you lead. And so the next, next pandemic, we're gonna have leaders that remember what it was like. And you're gonna lead better. Listen to what Paul says to a young pastor. He says, endure suffering along with me. Listen to me, old people, that's what we didn't do well. We didn't come alongside the young people and say, endure this with me because we've been blessed. And because we've been so blessed, we've grown weak. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I was talking to uh, a young wife this week and uh, man, she, her and her husband are going through some hardships. More hardships than you, most of you will ever face. Her husband's in his early 30s. They got four young kids. He had to have open heart surgery. Man, think about how scary that is. You're a mother of four small children and your strong, incredibly handsome husband could die. Scary stuff. And I said, how are you doing? She said, it's been hard, Pastor, if I'm gonna be honest. Here's what I told her. These are two good looking people. 
I mean, they're just, they're just too good looking. <laughs> this is what I told her. I said, your attraction to each other in college made you good at kissing. I said, but your suffering in marriage is gonna make you good at loving. I know that'll preach. That'll preach. And let me just say that to you. The natural things, your good looking, your, your, your attractiveness, your intelligence, your skill set, man, those things made life easy. But you wanna know what makes life real and good? It's suffering. What I love the most about my wife is not our mountaintop experiences, but it's our valleys. That's why I love her. That's why I love her. You see, some of you in your relationships, you're never gonna get past attraction. And some of you, you're thinking about divorce. You're gonna miss out on the depth of love that God has for you because you're afraid to suffer a little bit in your marriage. This is what breaks my heart with people today. So many of you who are dating, ladies, you're dating a moron. You're like, well, I just wanna stay committed. No, <laughs> no, run. But if you're married, stay, stay. It drives me crazy. All the single people are like, oh, I just want to be committed. I don't want to make it work. No. And all the married people are like, I'm out. I'm out. Listen, here's the beauty of 26 years of marriage. We've learned how to navigate the ups and the downs. And let me say this. The downs are never fun. When we're fighting, I'm not like, praise the Lord. I'm like, Lord, you gave me this woman. It was fine, me and the animals. <laughs> you created this helper. She's not helping. <laughs> but here's the thing, even our conflicts, even our disagreements make us better. Make us better. Don't run from suffering. Don't run from it. Run to God, run to God. Why does God allow suffering? It makes you better. You don't like it, but it makes you better. Number two, suffering forces me to ask big questions. You know what so many of your problems are that are blessed? You're focused on stupid things. What's my next car? What are my next clothes? What are my next vacations? You're too stinking blessed. And you're missing out on the point of life. You're missing out on the point of life. I talked to a man in our church this last week. He literally said, I just made a million dollar deal this week. A million dollar deal. I've never had a million dollars. He did a million dollar deal. Some of you are like, I got a happy meal. Like that's what you got. <laughs> Here's what he told me. He has a sick child that probably won't live. He said, I'd give it all away for my sweet daughter to live. You see, his suffering has given him a better perspective than many of us have. Here's the big questions. Is there a God? Is there a God? Do you know when Adam and Eve lost their souls? When life was perfect. Some of you've missed that. Life's so good, I don't know what to do. There's a talking snake. <laughs> what could go wrong? Lots of things. Next, is God personal? So many of you, maybe you're watching online for the first time and you stumbled across this message on, on YouTube, is there a God? 
is God personal, right? Because a lot of young people just say, I'm agnostic. I believe God's out there, but I don't know who he is and he doesn't know who I am. And I don't know if he cares and I don't know if I care. Suffering makes us ask, is God personal? Does he care about me? Am I all alone in this? And then is God powerful? Can he do anything about it? Like what if God created us and he's like, oops, my bad. <laughs> Good luck. Is he all powerful? Can he do something about the pain that we all experience? And then lastly, this, this is the honest question. And you've, you've, you may have never hurt so bad that you've ever asked this question. God, are you even good? That's the temptation we all face. That's what the devil tempted Eve with. God doesn't want you to experience this goodness. He's withholding this from you. And listen to me, friend, if the devil could whisper into the ears of one third of God's angels and convince them God was bad, what is he whispering into your ear right now? Is God really good? What does that mean? Is he gonna help me? Does he care? Jesus answers all these questions. Jesus saw a young man born blind. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, that means teacher, who sinned? This man's parents or someone else, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Whose fault is it, amen? Married people, if you just would stop arguing over whose fault it was, you could solve the problem. <laughs> this is the human race. Whose fault is it, right? Republicans say it's Democrats. Democrats say it's Republicans. It's right, we're just pointing fingers all over the place because no one wants to take responsibility. I mean, we, we, you know, we, can't e we can't even as a culture figure out whose fault it was Chris Rock got slapped. I think I know. But I think I'm the only one. Right? That's how confused we are because we're so focused on blame. We can't answer the big questions. Jesus, whose fault is this? Listen to the answer of Jesus. It was not that this man sinned, right? Babies don't sin. Now they will, <laughs> they will give them time. No parent ever teaches their child to lie. This is how we lie. This is how we blame. This is how we scream. <laughs> it was not that this man sinned. Listen to me, parents, or his parents, right? Parents, we feel so much guilt for the sin our kids commit. Let me just set you free. If your kid's a genius, you get a little credit. <laughs> and if your kid's a loser, you get a little blame, just a little bit. It's not all your fault. Kids grow up and do what they do. He said, it's not the young man's fault and it's not the parent's fault. This happened, listen to these words. This is the most important part in this entire story. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is one of the most important truths you will ever hear. Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this divorce? Why am I hurting? Why did I experience a bankruptcy? Why am I battling anxiety? Why am I overwhelmed with depression? So that the works of God might be displayed 
in you. Jesus says, we must do the works of him who sent me while it's day. He says, night is coming. It's coming when no one can do a work. He says, as long as I am in the world, he says, I am the light of the world. You see, this is what I told this young man who said he wanted to know why if God is good, there's so much evil. I said, because the Bible says God is not completely in charge yet. Satan is the God of this world. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. We are currently ruled by the power and prince of darkness, but there's good news. The savior of the world, the light of the world has come. And here's the good news. You get to choose. Do you wanna live in darkness forever? Or do you wanna come into the light as he is in the light? But that's your choice. And you say, well, Pastor Matt, I, I don't understand why there has to be so much darkness because if there isn't contrast, we don't know what we're choosing. Why is there pain? Without pain, you wouldn't know what joy is. If there wasn't conflict, how would you define peace? Why do we go on vacations? Vacations would never feel like vacation if you didn't work. You see, contrast provides clarity. And so many people today say, I just wanna be on vacation forever. You have no idea how close to hell that is. The purpose of your life is not to be on vacation for the rest of your life. That is not your purpose. Your purpose is to experience darkness so you can run to the light. He said, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, and I don't know what it is with Jesus and spitting. We got to ask him, like we got to ask him. Like I, I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't get the spitting. Like my wife is always, when I'm, when I'm running illustrations by her, she's like, why do you have to be so gross? I said, I don't know. I just love it. I, I just feel drawn to it. I, I can't help it. You know, my poor wife pray for her. Every time I tell a story, she's like, oh dear God, help him, help him, help him. <laughs> I have never spit on anyone. Amen? Amen. <laughs> that means I have some boundaries. <laughs> but Jesus, here he goes again. Captain Lugie, right? <laughs> but this time it's worse. Remember a couple weeks ago, he just right in the guy's eyes. This time he spits on the ground. <laughs> And he makes mud with saliva. Like you would tell your three-year-old, don't do that. <laughs> but you can't tell the king of kings that. You just be like, okay, I think that's weird, but you know, you're the Lord. <laughs> Can you imagine being the disciple? Who's gonna tell him he don't do that? <laughs> but then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. The loogie mud. He spits on the ground, he makes mud, and he said to him, now go wash. He wouldn't have had to do that if he didn't put a loogie in his eye. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And here's the thing, everybody who doubts the Bible, 
We have not been able to find this pool. People said the Bible's made up. It's not real. It's a bunch of stories. And they had a plumbing problem about 20 years ago, just outside the Temple Mount. And they started digging to, to fix the plumbing problem. Do you want to know what pool they found? This pool. I've been there. I've been there. I've stood there. It's real. Our Bible scholars are dumb. They are. They constantly think we know better than the people who saw it. And so what did he do? He went and he washed. I want you to listen to me, those of you who struggle with obedience. He went and he washed and he came back seeing. Why are you gonna keep allowing your disobedience to keep you from the blessing of God? And some of you are like, I'm mad at you, God. God's like, I'm mad at you. You're like, why? You don't listen. You don't listen. Some of you are mad at God about your finances. Have you trusted him with your finances? Why on earth would he bless what is only yours? Why? Why? Why, why would he bless your marriage so you can take more vacations? Why would he bless you so you can serve him less? Why would he bless your kids when the God they worship is baseball? or soccer, or some other sport that will probably break their body. When Jesus doesn't wanna break their body, he wants to save their soul and make them whole. Why would he bless you? You know what he's gonna do? He's gonna let you keep hurting yourself until you're ready to be healed. And for those of you who are Christians, you're like, well, I, I, I just don't know, pastor. I've gone through some real darkness. Listen, I do not believe God caused the darkness to come upon you. I think Romans 8.28 is one of the most misunderstood Bible verses that are ever quoted. Let me give it to you. And we know, who's that? Believers. That for those of us who love God, I don't know if you love God. If you don't love God, this isn't your verse. I don't care if it's tattooed on your body. All things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, work together for good for those who are called, have you been called? Have you been called according to his purpose? You see, here's the problem with your life. God, what is your will for my life? Wrong question. God, what is your will for your world? That's the life God blesses. Can I just tell you this? God is doing something bigger and better than just my health and happiness. I was on the phone yesterday with one of the most famous Christian pastors of all time. He's sick and maybe dying. And you know what he told me? He said, Matt, I just want to die serving Jesus. He's not asking for more time, for more miracles. He just wants to finish well. You know what he told me? He said, so many of my contemporaries are not finishing well. He said, they're burning out, having affairs, having scandals at the very end. At the very end. And some of you are gonna burn out right before your glory and give up right before your blessing. 
The Apostle Paul says, I want to run the, way, the race in such a way that I might not be disqualified. Too many pastors and Christians today are disqualifying themselves because they started running a different race. Why does God allow suffering? Man, this is hard, but this is real. Suffering reveals who my real friends are. This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. A friend is always loyal, always. You wanna find out who your friends are? Go through divorce, go through a bankruptcy, fight cancer, battle depression, battle anxiety. Do you know who your friends are? Your friends are always loyal. And a brother is born to help in a time of need. You see, God allows suffering because it doesn't just, it doesn't just make us better, it helps us make better friends. I prayed with a woman last week after service. She's battling a disease. It's crippling. She's lost her job. She's lost her marriage. She's lost her children. Her name is Amber. She said with tears in her eyes, Pastor, my own husband left me. Listen to me, ladies. Don't marry a man who loves you when you're beautiful. Marry a man who loves you forever. Forever. I tell my wife all the time, I'm in it to the end. I'm in it to the end. We said words before God. I don't always feel it, but I will always live it. In suffering, you find out who your friends are. That's why we used to say, in sickness and in death. Now what we say is, until our love runs out. Man, how sick is that? Aren't you glad God doesn't love you like that? He said, I'll love you to the end. To the end. So Jesus heals this blind man right? And he loses all his friends. The neighbors and those who had seen him before, they see this guy every day. This guy begs for a living. He begs for, they, people avoid him. They're like, oh, don't make eye contact. They walk quietly. He can't see us, right? <laughs> they said, wait a minute. Is this, a, is this that beggar? Is that that beggar? The man who used to sit and beg, Right? You know, give me some money, give me some money. Here's the thing, there's no welfare, there's no social security. If this guy doesn't get charity, he doesn't eat. Someone said, yeah, that's him. Others said, no, I don't think so. He just looks like him. We have this guy on staff at Sandals, his name is Eric. And everybody, people go up to him, hey, Pastor Matt, great sermon. Like people, even our own wives get confused sometimes. <laughs> Freaks me out, man. I'm Matt Brown. <laughs> But we look a lot alike. But others are like, I, I, think, I think that's you, the guy that I ignored every single day on the way to the grocery store. And others say, no, it, it's him. And others say, no, he just, it just looks like him. And they kept, he kept saying, the blind guy, like, Dude, it's me, it's me. Which is funny, he's never seen any of these people before, right? Because he was born blind. 
He kept saying, I'm the man. I'm the man. I was blind, but now I see. And so they said to them, then how are your eyes opened, right? Because dead, excuse me, blind people don't get healed. He says this, the man called Jesus. Why does he say called? He never saw him. He made mud. He anointed my eyes. He left out the loogie. He didn't see it. He said, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, well, where is he now? He's blind. How does he know where he is? He says, I don't know. All of his friends turn their backs on him. So what do they do? They go get the religious police. They brought the Pharisees to the man that had formerly been blind. And oh, by the way, it's Sabbath when Jesus had made mud, which is an actual violation of the Jewish tradition. What Jesus was actually doing was working by healing somebody, right? Don't do that. God forbid people come to church and get healed, right? We got to do it the way we've always been doing it. It broke my heart. The first time I went to Israel, I went to one of the oldest continuous churches in Christian history. It's been a church for 1600 years. And I went to the worship service. Guess how many people were in there worshiping? Zero. Just the priest, just the priest performing the ritual. And some of you, you are so caught up in tradition. You don't wanna see anybody healed. You don't wanna see anybody changed. How sad is that? Do you think God is pleased by a priest doing the same rituals for 1600 years when nobody's being healed? This is why the church doesn't grow. We're more in love with our traditions than we are with the healer. So it was Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes and that's a no-no. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud in my eyes. I washed, I see. Not a lot of details here. I don't know if y'all remember, I was blind. <laughs> I was blind. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. Why? Because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. He doesn't keep our rules. He doesn't keep our rules. Man, it's one of the things that breaks my heart. The more successful Sandals gets, the more other Christians seem to be critical. You know why that is? We're more interested in our rules than we are in a people getting a relationship with Jesus. Here's my heart for Sandals Church. Whatever we're doing, whatever it is that's keep people, keeping people from Jesus, get rid of it. Because you are more important than Sandals traditions and Sandals history. Jesus didn't die for our traditions. He died to save us from our traditions. They said, Jesus doesn't keep the Sabbath. No, he just created it. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Yeah, great question. Why would the devil go around healed, 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 healed? I don't think that's what Satan would do. But some Christians are like, not so fast. He's the angel of light. Jeez. I love you Christians, but you're hard. You know? I mean, Jesus could raise somebody from the dead in our church and some of you are like, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm gonna pray about it. 
I'm going to get with my small group, our Bible study, and we're going to pray because that could be Satan. What is wrong with us? And there's a division among them, right? Because that's what we do at people. We, we, we disagree on everything. And so they said again to the man, the blind man, they're asking him more questions. What do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? He said, well, I think he's a prophet. Let me tell you this. Some of the people in your life are so evil that they will criticize the miracle you receive from God. How sad is that? One of the scariest books I ever read is a book by C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce, has nothing to do with marriage. But I remember a young man walking into the gates of heaven and his mother demanding that if he truly loved her, he'd walk out of heaven and come with her to hell. Man, in the name of love, I'll never forget those words. It shook me. Some of your friends and some of your family hate the fact that God is moving in your life. And rather than repent and believe, they will hate you. People will hate the beautiful things that God has done in your life. At Christmas time, I remember we helped a single mom working seven days a week, not able to pay for gas. Who can, right? And do you know her girlfriends told her she should give the money back to the church? Not one of her friends praised that our church ministered to a single mom working seven days a week. Her friends said, you should give that money back. And they gave guilt for her over the miracle that God had done. She said, what should I do, pastor? I said, get new friends. <laughs> get new friends. Some of you, if you won the lottery today, half your friends would hate you. They'd hate you. That's sin. Do you know why the Pharisees hated Jesus? It's not because he did evil acts. It's because he was more popular than they were. And they said, if we don't do something, the whole world's gonna follow him. Yeah, go figure, the son of God, right? <laughs> Can you imagine me being jealous? Everybody's going to Jesus' church. We gotta stop that. <laughs> the Jews did not believe that he had been blind, that he had received his sight. A miracle is right in front of them and they still can't believe. Then they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and they asked him. His friends have turned on him. His religious organization had turned on him and now watch his parents. They turn on him. Is this your son? Is this your son who you say was born blind? Can you imagine you have a disabled child and people are like, is he really disabled? How sick are people? How then, if he is blind, how then is it possible that he who was blind now sees? Listen to his parents. They said, we know it's our son. And we know that he was born blind. Watch them throw their son under the bus. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Well, he's telling everybody who opened his eyes. Listen to this. 
Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents, this is the scripture. This is the word of God. His parents said these things because they feared the Jewish leaders. Isn't that crazy? That's what human beings will do. We're so afraid of people in power. We're so afraid. Like every one of us say, we're all virtue signaling, right? I was cracking up watching Hollywood this week. They're like, we don't know what to do. We got, which wind is the wind blowing? You know, do we go after Will Smith or is it Chris Rock? Who is it? You know, they got to wait for the wind. That's human beings. We don't know. Their own parents, right? Their own parents. Hey, <laughs> he's of age. He's ask him, right? Because we don't know how this is going to go. So many of us are afraid to stand up for God because we're afraid our friends will turn against us. We're afraid of what our church will say. We're afraid to stand up for the work of God that he's done in your life. Man, stop virtue signaling. Just do what's right, whatever the right thing is, not what the popular thing is. Because his own parents dump him for what's popular. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. It's hard to stand up for Jesus. I mean, it's hard. I've been watching what's happening with Walt Disney, right? Disneyland. There's a circulation amongst employees at Disneyland who say we feel like our own religious freedom is under attack. And if we say this is what we think, we're out. Think about that. So, so don't say, well, I would stand up. You don't know that until you have to stand up. Therefore, his parents said, they love this guy. He is of age, ask him. Man. And you say, I just can't believe there are parents like this. It's because you've never met your true self. One thing I learned during COVID is I learned how powerful fear still is in my life. Before COVID, I would have told you that Jesus is my Lord. I learned during COVID, fear is my Lord. And it's a horrible God to worship. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, give glory to God. They have no interest in glory and no interest in God. We know that this man is a sinner. We know that Jesus is a sinner. Can you imagine you become so twisted you think Jesus is evil? The blind man says whether he's a sinner, I don't know. And one of the most famous lines in the history of the world, one thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin. How would you teach us? You see, the world's problem has always been self-righteousness. It's always been self-righteousness. Right? It's the problem of the world. Why does Putin think he can invade Ukraine? Self-righteousness. Why is that? When I was a kid, I learned this song 
and it's, you know, it's not culturally appropriate anymore, but it was the 70s, it was the Wild West. <laughs> but red, yellow, black, and white, what? We are all precious in his sight. A more real version of that song would be red, yellow, black, and white, we are self-righteous in our own sight. Every, all of us are. And here's the truth, when push comes to shove, the sin that's in us will condemn Jesus. And that, my friends, is why he was put on the cross by his own people. And they cast him out. What did this guy do wrong? He was healed. Listen to me. Real friends will listen to two things. They will listen to your horrible news and they will grieve. They will grieve. And real friends will listen to great news and rejoice. Jesus Christ is a real friend. He doesn't virtue signal. He doesn't gossip. He doesn't slander. When you're hurting, he hurts. And when you get a win, when you get a raise, when you get blessed, when you get a promotion, when God says, I see your faithfulness and he lifts you up, the Lord Jesus celebrates and he says, that's my son, that's my daughter. I knew they could do it. I knew it. I knew it. You celebrate. Let me ask you, who are the friends that you have in your life right now that will cry with you and celebrate with you? They don't care if your house is bigger. They don't care if your wallet is fatter. They don't care if your vacations are cooler. They just love you. Jesus is in heaven going, I wanted to go to Bali. Never got to go there. I had to go to the Middle East. Lots of rocks. The only ocean I ever saw was the Sea of Galilee. It's a lake. I mean, right? He celebrates. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enjoy, relax, rest. That's what God does. Last point, why does God allow suffering? Here's the thing you need to know. Suffering creates space for God in my life. Why did Adam and Eve end up at the tree of good and evil talking to a snake? Life was too good. Parents, do not make your children's lives too good. They're gonna to talk to a snake. And the snake is gonna whisper things in their ears that pull them from God. Suffering creates space. This week, um, our online ministry, uh, many of you know Pastor Jeff, he runs our online campus. He sent me this story, it touched my heart. I got this email from Pastor Jeff and it says this, this is what it says. This guy doesn't go to our church, never heard of sandals, but he's hurting. He said, a friend of mine at work recommended the Healer series. He said, I've watched the first three messages. This is his email. And I found myself tonight at work, building a road with a bulldozer, getting on my knees underneath the stars, asking God for forgiveness of my sin that has been interfering with my marriage. 
He said, as I prayed, I fought back tears, but they were tears of hope that filled me for the first time in forever with new strength to keep going. His name is Tyrell. If Tyrell isn't hurting, he doesn't listen to healer. He isn't healed. Listen to me, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how bad you're hurting, no matter what you've done, even when Adam and Eve sinned, Jesus came walking. He came walking in the garden. He came looking for two naked, scared people. Look, camouflage doesn't work with God. It might fool a deer. It doesn't fool Jesus. And he saw them. So Jesus heard that they had cast this man out. Having found him. Isn't that interesting? Some of you people say, I found Jesus. No. He's not lost. He knows where he is. Jesus found him. Jesus found him. He says, do you believe in the son of man? The blind man who could see answered, sir, who is he? Listen to this, that I might believe. He doesn't know he's talking to the dude that healed him. And Jesus said to him, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking with you now. And the blind man who can now see said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. He worshiped. Can I ask you this question? Are you ready for God in your life? I'm sorry that you went through divorce. I'm sorry that you're battling cancer. I'm sorry that you battled depression. It breaks my heart that you're overwhelmed with anxiety. To be human is, is to be afflicted. To know Jesus is to be healed. Are you ready for God in your life? Why have you had to go through so much, so much hurt, so much sorrow, so much anguish? Why, why? So you can come here right now. Are you ready to believe? Are you ready for God in your life? Jesus is ready to be in your life. Are you ready? Why does God allow suffering? So that the works of God may be revealed in you. God is willing to risk your life to save your soul because your body will die, but your soul will live forever. And God has made his point clear. Your soul is worth more to him than your aging, dying body. Look, Botox can cover, but the grave will win. We're gonna have a bunch of good looking people pretty soon in, in coffins. But you're still dead. You're still dead. Jesus is allowing you to suffer in your body so he can save your soul. So here's what I'm gonna do right now. I wanna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want you to ask God right now. God, have you allowed all this suffering, all this hurt, all this sorrow in my life for this moment? Is this my moment, God? Is this my moment to take this pain and give it to you? Is this my moment to turn from my hurt and turn to you? And if you hear Jesus say yes right now, this is your moment.
And when I'm done praying, your campus pastor, the online pastor is gonna give you an opportunity to receive Christ. But just know this, all of these bad things have not happened in your life because God hates you. God has allowed these things in your life so that you could experience his love for you. This is your moment. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross to save your soul. I'm sorry for your pain, but I'm praying that you'll experience the presence of the living God. Heavenly Father, I pray over every person right now. We all hurt, we all have sorrow. And God, I know it hurts you when you see your children hurt. But God, you have allowed this suffering to bring us to this moment. Lord Jesus, speak to us right now. And if this is our moment, if this is our day to surrender to you as our healer, I pray that we would do it in Jesus' name. Give us the strength and the courage to come forward for prayer, to be healed in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. We all pray, amen.